Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. And today we're going to talk about the Amazon Halo Rise. My review of it just went up this week on Engadget.com. You can check out all the details there. But we're curious to see how the Halo Rise, which is a bedside sleep tracker, feeds into all of Amazon's overall healthcare plans. It's it's a very interesting uh, development, especially how Amazon's made moves in this area. Uh, we'll dive into that this episode. Uh, this I mean, who doesn't want talking... Amazon to watch them in their sleep, right, Sherlyn? Like, you know, I mean, I love a what sleep everybody watcher. wants. I love, I love, <laughs> I want a sleep stalker. I don't know what you, you're talking about. Mm, um, I don't think you really want that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, this week, we're also talking about goodbye to E3. The Engadget team will be sort of going to LA, but not to, I guess, cover that specific show anymore. Summer Games Fest. There may be other things happening, but we were Might not be. going for E3 because E3 does not exist. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll commiserate on that this episode as well as discuss some other news. But in the meantime, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And then if you have the time and, you know, want to have some fun, we actually live stream the recording of this podcast every Thursday morning at about 1030 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. It's always a fun time and we usually were able to take your questions, say hi. And sometimes we have devices to show off. So you'll be missing out if you don't come join us. Okay, so this week, this review, long time coming. I know <laughs> I've been talking about working on this review for like what feels like months. Um, <laughs> and my review of the Amazon Halo Rise is finally up. Devendra, did you read it? <laughs> Woo! I, I did read it and I looked at the video and I also saw you, you say you want a sleep stalker, Sherlyn, but the <laughs> the lead photo on your YouTube video is just like you <laughs> sleeping in bed. <laughs> it's like I I hope I hope you knew that picture was being taken. I hope it was ah. Brian that snuck in and just took a picture. <laughs> Brian, our video producer. Um, this whole thing feels very disconcerting to me. So, do you? I know how much you hate wearing sleep yeah. gadgets, Sherlyn. Like, how do you yeah. feel about this thing? You don't have to wear anything. That's great. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that, right? I love that I don't have to wear anything to bed. I The thing that's nice about the Halo Rise and other sleep trackers like this, which, by the way, there's one other I know first, of. So yeah, exactly. So people can know what, what it looks like, yeah. Right. There's an, one other sleep tracker like this in the market, which is the Google Nest. And they both use radar to do motion sensing and 
you know, if you place it next to your bed facing the sleeper next to it, uh, it can detect like your breathing rate and use that information to see if you're asleep and what sleep zones you're in. Uh, so, you know, in the morning when you wake up, it can tell you how well you performed. I mean, you know, who doesn't want to track how well they slept? I do. Uh, we that... need more gadgets tracking our <laughs> bed performance. <laughs> Again, yeah. we're going to keep having this joke. Bed performance uh, sounds strange, Devendra. This thing has a, it's kind of the top half is sort of like a light that lights up too. It's a nice sunrise alarm. That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it has, yeah. So this thing is like uh, designed because it knows you know, Amazon and, and, and other companies that make devices like this know that you're putting it in your bedroom, which is a very intimate space, right? So they're, usually the messaging is very um, careful. They're like, we will never have like microphones on board. There's no cameras on these things. That's the motion true. sensor this is This is not an echo. There's no Alexa yeah. on this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's no, you know, Amazon's assistant is not available on this thing because there's no microphone, which I, which I'll talk about this later, but it's one of the things that I don't really like weirdly enough um at least a google version had the microphone on board but anyway because it's so low profile it actually blends in very nicely with most decor it's basically a light and a clock uh, and then it has the motion sensor to detect your sleep and that's pretty much it you can also use the app to set like a smart alarm which we talked about uh or or we will talk about a bit more Devendra. but you and i have had conversations around like alarms that can detect what sleep zone you're in and then wake you up when you're in light sleep instead of and in the perfect yeah the perfect moment not like a time but when you're kind of drifting out of deep sleep and you just want a slight nudge and be like ah a refreshing a refreshing awake that's nice yeah exactly instead of like jolting you like your alarm when you're in deep sleep just jolting you awake you know pulling you out slowly or like not not when you're in REM sleep which can be like very sad too if you're having a beautiful dream and you're about to not like what my daughter did to me this morning good god (laughs) She woke up at like 6 a.m. because we make her a little tent in her bed and she woke me up and was like, my tent, my tent fell. I'm like, okay, you'll survive at 6 a.m. And then we're up for the rest of the day. So, yeah. See, this is why I don't have kids. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If anything tries to wake me up at 6 a.m., they would die. (laughs) just die. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but um, okay. So in general, if you, I mean, I I like it. Like you said, I love to track my sleep without wearing a wearable to bed, uh, or even the aura ring would be too much for me. I think. Um, bed sensors. Yeah, I don't want to have anything can... on my body either. Like the aura ring, Same. even is a little too much. Yeah, exactly. I can't wear any watch or any ring to sleep. I just can't. Um, but the you know, there's also the options of bed sensors or smart mattresses, and those are either expensive. Or like I don't know, my mattress is like really they mess the way they mess up the way your bed feels because you buy yeah. a nice bed, you know, you don't want oh, yeah. anything. I like the princess the and the pee. I just you know mm-hmm. I don't want to. And I want one day maybe sleep number will do it or whatever. And then uh-huh. I'll, then you had to drop two thousand dollars on that thing. So who knows? Okay, so this thing is one hundred and forty dollars. You plug it in next to your bed, and like it honestly, it, it was easy to set up. You don't have to like do too much to set it up. It doesn't have to. It's pretty like its range of effectiveness is fairly generous compared to the nest does it just like, do one person like if you yes, if you are exactly. a couple sleeping just in bed person. it doesn't give you okay just yeah just a person, person. So, i mean if you have two you buy two I mean, yeah you i'm buy sure two. That's what amazon they want. will have a sale yes and we will get to like what uh amazon wants to do with this probably eventually but again like this thing was pretty accurate at recognizing when i fell asleep i can't tell you if it's accurate at noticing when i was dreaming or whatever but this morning i woke up from a very vivid dream like literally in the middle of the dream right so i looked at the data just now and i was like yeah it it really i really was in REM sleep right before i woke up so that's surprisingly accurate 
um, what do we do with all this info, right? I don't know if Davinder, you're like super into sleep data or whatever. Would you? I mean, I used to, when I was testing out like um, you know activity trackers more, and we talk about Jawbone's up and kids these days do do not know Jawbone, the company that made Bluetooth speakers <laughs> a thing. Everybody had their little Jawbone jam boxes, and they made this thing called the Up, which was like a smart bracelet, and it did some really good sleep tracking. And it took Fitbit and a lot of other companies a long time to kind of match that. So yeah, I did like it back then. I have not tested much since then. Yeah, the sleep data is interesting because for me, I don't know how to so-called improve my sleep other than like when I was testing this again over two months I really got a lot of data out of it right and what I found out was like I was having a hard time staying asleep because my room was actually too hot and once I started letting myself I'm a stingy little bee and once I like <laughs> was like you know what don't sacrifice your quality of sleep just so you can save a couple ten dollars um do you yeah. stick your feet out of the blanket i feel like no that i'm is a very good, much a cocoon a i'm a cocoon tip. sleeper no. you can cocoon but just poke, poke those feeties out because that does help to cool down your body to help with sleep so i don't know it's, it's a whole thing yeah. i don't like it i like to be like all covered up and bundled up i don't know y'all email us like, you, if you prefer to be hot. a cocoon sleeper or a drippy burrito sleeper you just like let us know julio our live stream producer is saying that they choose the one foot in one foot out one method, foot in one foot out that's good that's good it could be a waste yeah, like email us podcast.com your favorite sleeping <laughs> technique <laughs> i'm a cocoon um but yeah no i mean i learned that and then i just turned the ac on maybe i should just stick my feet out and save some money that's true we'll see yeah um that's a good insight thing, that you may not exactly. realize if you're just sleeping on your own you know and you may not realize what's making you toss yeah yeah that's cool even even waking up in a sweat won't won't clue me in on like maybe i should turn <laughs> off my hasty i'm this sort of person um but i will say the other thing i've noticed is like uh i get a lot less deep sleep than i realize um and i want more deep sleep so my goal is to try to increase the amount of deep sleep i have but i don't know how to do that i don't think that there is a way to do that yet there are um, ways to do that uh what, what devices are you using like right up until your bedtime surely and like you're 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 the other side of your bed i'm sure is like five laptops and ten phones right no i'm not come on you saw the picture on our article that is literally <laughs> I my only see one half of the bed i don't know what's going on behind like behind that's the true the other half set. of the bed is yeah. like all the laundry that's unfolded <laughs> yeah um maybe i could yeah maybe i could like and, and the app also just gives you advice on how to like at attain better sleep i guess so you you know you could i just am never gonna stop using my phone ne never right gonna do bed. it yeah that, that's what so e-ink readers are good for that just a paper book but like normal things uh, i found uh, i'm the hour playing before. games yeah. so i'm a real gamer i'm, like, a, I'm, a, oh, I'm a pre bed gamer <laughs> cooking mama um, is eating up all your deep sleep <laughs> it truly truly is yeah. but yeah so so speaking of right like that's where you get all your data here is the amazon halo app so every morning i'm like rolling over used to be the first thing i would do like oh look at my instagram or like look at um i don't know messages that came in overnight and or my horoscope app which i am kind of embarrassed to admit but i like to look at horoscope stuff in the morning now it's like uh, -huh. uh how did i sleep last night that's the first thing i opened now is the amazon halo app which is nice and the halo app actually has a lot of features in it we've talked about it before there was the tone you know monitoring feature the which tone monitoring that's great i i'm <sighs> surprised amazon and more tech companies should just get into the straight up like horoscope stuff but also like use it's a good way to hack humans right because yeah. people believe in the horoscope stuff 
irrationally you shouldn't yep. but it's kind of yep. fun but what if what if you weave in your health data there mm-hmm. like oh i predict you will eat a healthy lunch and get oh to bed God. on time oh wow. based on your current sleep trends yeah that would be kind <laughs> well, of well it's all about advice giving right i mean in the and that's what i think i go to the horoscope app for too is like the the horoscope app i do dispenses like today you should take it easy and like set up boundaries i'm like oh you know what yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna enforce my yeah, boundaries today yeah. every other day it's like please trample on every my boundaries uh-huh. but today today i'm gonna have boundaries because my horoscope's that's out your app um, <laughs> my app is because of venus is in jupiter or something i don't know what the hell um and then the 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 amazon halo app basically does that except with the sleep data that it's garnered from watching me sleep right so it's like hey you uh took my took me uh you, you only slept two hours tonight maybe you should take it easy which like honestly had i not <laughs> looked at the app i'd be like i slept two hours i should go ham <laughs> And like, I did use that advice to take it real easy. I did. I skipped the workout because I was like, you know what? I only slept two and a half hours. So I really shouldn't be going in for that. You probably should class sleep today. more. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I want to point out that Ben, our podcast producer, said Mercury is in Gatorade today, and I thought that was quite hilarious. Um, really tripped me up in the middle of that like solo rant just now, but. I do like that. I like that in the morning, you know, I get to understand how well I slept the night before and use it as a, a true, a full on excuse to sure. get out of working and out. You and you get work. a, it's a, it's a light that wakes you up. It's not a loud alarm. That's kind of, it's there is an alarm. You think? There, there is. is an alarm. And I can, you know what? I'm going to play some of the alarm sounds. I feel like that defeats sounds. the whole point of this thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to play some of the ala- alarm sounds because what it has on board is not, this is not like a speaker on board that you're going to use to play music or whatever. This, this is one of those like very basic hotel alarms that you're like, oh, um, it's like, dee, 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 right? But now I'm going to actually let y'all hear it. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Come on. Okay. Did you hear that? It's a, I, I did hear that. Why? Why does it do that? The whole point. You can choose one. But why? The whole point is the light is supposed to wake you up, you know? No, it and does have nice sound, sound too. Well, because uh-huh. some people need the sound, bro. What are you talking about? Like, not everyone can see. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, very, I am very much a person that needs sound to wake up. Um, Because, you know. I, I otherwise sleep through a tornado. Like, that's that's me. That's true. Um, I mean, so there are others. Like, uh, Amazon's not the only company doing sunrise alarms. Like, Hatch, I think, has been really popular. They make a lot of baby stuff that my wife and I use. But the Hatch Restore sound machine with smart light sunrise alarm clock, uh, this is a cute little half-sun thing that doesn't do sleep tracking. But it does do the sort of, like, oh, it'll just, like, make a nice light happen and with some gentle nature sounds. Um, I feel like nature sounds or sound machine be, type yeah. things would be nice rather Pro- than beep, right. beep, beep, beep. I agree. Good Problem God. is, this isn't a, a sophisticated speaker. To to shout out some people who have been describing what that sounds like, Julio said this sounds like Tamagotchi vibes 100%. Tamagotchi vibes, Lord, uh, old yeah. Casio smartwatches. Or Lord Buckethead in the chat like, that sounds like a yeah. door lock. Uh, and I mean, uh, I think there was someone else who described what the sound was like, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, oh, uh, why said it sounds like an old Nokia phone, which yes, this is not even a polyphonic ringtone. This is monophonic. So it's, it's like, monophonic. remember polyphonic ringtones? Uh, welcome to, welcome to Nostalgia Central. 
Um, but yeah, no, there is there is a speaker on board, so you don't have to worry. But but a basic speaker, um, not anything too sophisticated. So I feel like that that alone kind of pushed me away from this thing because I do like the idea of a sunrise alarm, but I want to be woken up to like a gentle gust of the wind or I think birds you can turn chirping that, or something. Ah, uh, I see, you know? I see. So you mm-hmm. you have an issue with the actual sound options. You can turn off the, the alarm stinks. sound. Mm-hmm. I'm if sure if you I'm don't sure. want it. Yeah, if you don't want it. Gotcha, gotcha. Amazon has been doing a lot of healthcare stuff, Roland. Like, how how does this kind of fit into it? You seem to hate this less than the Halo arm armband yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So I like really, I honestly, yeah, I think I like this because it's a very unique product. I don't think you see anything like this on the market. Uh, even Google's Nest Hub has a screen and it does a lot of the same things, but it wasn't as accurate. I don't think, you know, I think because the Nest Hub had a screen and so many other components in it, the motion sensing, the radar component couldn't be as big or sophisticated. Whereas with Amazon's Rise, it's just a small speaker and some buttons, right? And a light. And it's got so much more room to like, devote to a better sensor maybe this is me speculating um but so with that sleep data that i already described for you like what you can do with it and see it's in the halo app which is also where you can do things like like i said the tone stuff if you have the halo band wearable you can do track your um steps and activity with you if you have the halo band wearable but if you don't you can still use other features like uh the motion or the mobility and uh, posture assessment tool so this is i think this is actually a pretty cool thing that they offer which is they can use the camera and monitor you as you do a series of movements and then tell you whether you have a full range of mobility or limited mobility or you know and if you do if you have stiffer joints than most they will teach you some exercises you can do on the daily or regularly to improve your mobility so that's actually i think a helpful feature for people who might have those issues um if you have tight hips or you can't do really a lunge sure, fully sure. or or you I feel can't like squat I, super low you know just based on what we've seen Sherlyn, i think i can describe uh, amazon's health ambitions pretty pretty succinctly uh deeply disturbing right they just really want to get up in there the halo smart band uh it still measures your tone right we complained about it but it still does do that and it t- it does posture too you're saying mm-hmm. Posture yeah, and now, assessment, right? Like it's looking, yeah, yeah, it can assessment. help you with that. And, and then now one they're, more. they're watching you sleep too. And it's like, yeah, I, it's a bit much. It's a bit much Amazon, I, but okay. <laughs> I guess somebody may want that. I think, I I think it's, it's, like, it's like having a very overbearing parent always watching you, you know? Sure. Yeah. It could be. But I think they take it as a whole though, right? If you think about all the different things they're doing, because I haven't even gotten to the part, the one that like bothered me the most, which is body composition. Before you, before I got to it, you said like the, uh, it was d- deeply disturbing. I took like, I was like, I don't, I wouldn't call it disturbing. I think that they have like a different approach to overall health that is more holistic than everyone else. It is, it's, ex- it's like intentions are soundish, but it's, and I say soundish because we can't, you can never trust Amazon, a huge company, right? But like its execution is extremely poor because you've got, you've got, look, it's not wrong. Your emotions, which is what they're using the tone of your voice to like judge and evaluate your emotions, how stressed you are, that does play a part in sure. your overall health. Sure. Your sleep does contribute. Your overall mobility does play a part. And then talk about your body composition as opposed to pure weight. That is also very important. Pure BMI isn't a complete picture of someone's general health, but like I said, the execution is pretty shit because the tone feature we've talked about a lot. It's not great. And we also talked about 
the body composition tool, which is where the app can use your camera, your phone's camera, to do a scan of you. It takes four pictures, front, back, left side, right side, and it tells you your body fat percentage and other details. At first, I was kind of skeptical about how accurate it would be. And then Amazon in some briefings was like telling me, oh, it's as close to like DEXA scans as possible. And like back then, because I wasn't, back when it launched, I think midway through the pandemic, it wasn't very like easy for me to test it because I wasn't going out and getting DEXA scans. I wasn't going out and getting like scans. But recently, and even like I could test it against like a, a Samsung uh, Galaxy Watch, which had that feature launched uh, on, I don't know, the Watch 4 or something like that. And it used bioelectrical uh, impedance analysis, BIA, to tell how your like, body composition is, right? Not very sophisticated because it's a wrist-worn version of that, but it was telling me things like 29% body fat, which I took to be real back then because I was like, oh, it seems in line with my history. And the Amazon Halo app told me about the same, right? All that changed when we were all going out more and I started going to the gym a lot more and I've been doing a lot more body scans. I do regular check-ins now. So I know exactly what my body fat percentage is all the time. I did go off the deep end there. I know that I've lost body fat over time, which is now I, 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 I'm down to like 23, right? So when I just did the, when I was reviewing the Halo Rise, maybe two weeks ago, I did a, another body composition scan through the Halo app. You know what it was telling me my body fat percentage was? Want to guess? Guess? Uh, no. 25? Go. 30? <laughs> which one? Dude, pick one. 30. Oh yeah, it exactly you. said it said I was 31%. It said my body fat was 31%, which does not track Again, with the overbearing actual parents. big one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like an Asian parent now, right? It's yeah, like that's what it is. You fat. That's what it really the whole thing feels like. Uh sit up straight. Sit up straight. You're not <laughs> sleeping right. What are you eating? <laughs> yeah. Watch your tone. Oh my god. <laughs> that's what that's what Amazon made. Uh. It's I don't terrifying. think like I don't think that it like I think there's a lot of things you can turn off. You can turn off the advice it's giving so it doesn't come off as an overbearing <laughs> yeah. parent. But I think a lot That's of the, the whole execution reason you're getting it. Yeah. Right, right. You you are. This is true. You but I mean, I mean it's our relationship with the apps and devices we have really is largely for, for ourselves to decide in my mind but somebody somebody just... is going to do that they're going to make ai yeah. mom and you just call it mom and it will do all oh, the no. things oh man oh, god uh, they're going to uh, use this the, so yeah. so okay so so all this in consideration, right? Like Amazon's approach to healthcare clearly is pretty holistic. Even again, even setting aside the execution being very poor and questionable, they're looking at a different picture from everyone else, right? You don't you don't see Fitbit or Apple or Google looking at your tone of voice because probably because they know it's problematic. They, you don't see them looking at your body composition in the same way. Uh, they're not trying to use like a phone camera to help you decide because again, they probably know it's not possible. I can see Apple thinking about doing it and realizing it's not possible and like backing away from it. But app, but Amazon is like, we're going to do it. We're going to do this. We're going to make it doable, approachable. And then like, screw it that we don't give the correct information or data. Screw it that the tone uh, thing isn't actually very helpful or useful right now. Like, just let's let's just push these features out. Why though, right? You got to, <laughs> why is Amazon doing that? Like, is it I just think, to get people I, I think it all comes like, um, so listen, things are not great at Amazon right now as a company. Um, lots of people are being laid off. Um, I know somebody as a company, they are weirdly like aggro towards their employees. I know somebody who had like come to New York for a work event 
And Amazon was like, um, yeah, you're taking the subway to to a <laughs> crappy airport that's close to a crappy hotel kidding? that's close to the airport. It's very, they nickel and dime everything. It's very controlled. It's very tightly like restrictive. And I do feel like that corporate philosophy, Amazon is probably, I can see Jeff Bezos with his swole arms just thinking, how do I do this for my people, for my customers? How do I control my customers and make them just like me? Um it feels weirdly controlling, all of this. Yeah. I Yeah. I mean, Mark Dell in our chat says that he wants Amazon dad. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Bezos yeah, I think is you Amazon got it. daddy. You got right? it. <laughs> oh, my Amazon God. Amazon zaddy. Uh, <laughs> it's, look, I, I think it is, Amazon is a complex company. I think Bezos is out of the picture, but the company is still being run by a lot of the same people that mm -hmm. were there when he was around. The inherent, um, so they have this philosophy of radical honesty, which I hear when any company does that, is kind of bullshit. It's kind of like, oh, so your supervisor can tell you just bluntly, oh, you messed up, you know, uh, don't do this. And they have like posters around the office dedicated to this stuff. But what it does is turn your entire workforce into like these bunch of aggro jerks. You know, because you yeah. feel like the need to speak up and quieter people and people who are maybe a little more like aren't as type A may not thrive <laughs> in that environment. So or, it, kinda, it feels like that. Yeah. Instead of, and, and, and not to mention all the union busting stuff, right? I mean, that's all in the, the everything. The union yeah. busting. So much. Yeah. Yeah. So if we if we if we get to all of that, there's the paints even like a crazier picture of what Amazon is. But if we focus on the healthcare side of things for a little bit, right? We also have to <laughs> consider the fact that in 2020, Amazon launched its own pharmacy. So it's delivering medications that are, I guess, more over like more over the counter type and maybe some prescription type ones over to you. Uh, and then also recently, I think this year, maybe in the last two weeks, it completed its acquisition of One Medical, which is this like healthcare provider, a bit more of an like a premium service type thing, which is very familiar to when Amazon bought Whole Foods, right? It's bought like, sure, sure. right? Like a, a upscale version of the same business it was doing already, like Amazon Fresh, but for the rich. Uh, and that's rich. what One Medical yeah. feels like to me. Yeah. And so I don't know if like, we, I don't know. If you go see a doctor, would you be like, do you feel icky if you think that your doctor is like Amazon paid pay by yeah, Amazon? Yeah, I feel icky about everything tied to Amazon right now. And this whole this whole thing is like, I do like the idea and the functionality of this device you're talking about, but I don't I don't be like more latched into Amazon's data structure because I still have to I still buy stuff from Amazon because it's it mm -hmm. is unfortunately yeah. the easiest and simplest way to do a lot of things. So it stinks. It stinks that we we're forced to like coexist with these freaking titans of corporations. Yeah, I agree. I mean, recently, Amazon also changed the, um, I guess, the policy around Amazon Fresh Grocery Delivery Service, which is uh, now instead of like hitting $35 to get free shipping for your groceries or free delivery for your groceries, now you have to hit $150 for free shipping. Ridiculous. Otherwise, you pay yeah. Yeah, $7 or yeah. $5, depending on how much you've bought. So I get that we need to pay people and delivery drivers and all of that stuff better, but 150 and anyway, short story is I stopped buying my groceries from Amazon. So, For sure. you know, great. It, it was always like um, a great like last resort thing because one thing that happens when you have children is like in the morning I need strawberries. If I don't have strawberries, it's going to be a problem, you know, and I don't have time to go to the grocery store. So, it, it was useful for stuff like that. And now all these new restrictions is weird. And then it's also like, I don't, what is that workforce like? Does this mean they're actually going to get paid more? I don't think so. I think it I don't think so. Exactly. Amazon's bottom line. So 
Exactly. Yeah, That's the thing. Like if, if I had more faith that the delivery fees were going to your delivery drivers and that you would treat them better for this, I would pay. I mean, I you know, but now... I, I mean, what I guess I could use the workout so I walk to a grocery store and buy stuff. And I mean, you you live in a walkable city where you don't need to stock yeah, up good. your grocery. Like you don't need yeah. to stock up. You don't have yeah. to drive. I don't need a second freezer. Just enjoy or anything, it. Just yeah. go. You yeah. can casually stroll to the grocery. I know. Pick up your ingredients for yeah. dinner. Stroll back. I the, know. the way and the weather is you know, nice nowadays. So it's great. The weather is nice. Yeah. 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 Um, I will bring it back to the Halo Rise really quickly and say that like I there were a, a, a couple gripes I had about it, which is like I seemed like a stupid problem, but it is still a problem. The buttons on the thing are so small. <laughs> the snooze <That's> not good. <laughs> the no, snooze buttons. button is bigger than the dismiss button. I just get so annoyed. <laughs> I just like and you know what? Like my biggest issues with this device were that it. Its buttons were a little too small for me, and I'm pretty sure most people will be fine with that. And the, my other major issue is that it's an Amazon device, and we don't know if we can trust Amazon to, to you know, take care of our data or not use that to spam me Ambien or something. Like, it's, oh, man, it's yeah. Th those, yeah, those were my two main concerns with the Halo Rise, meaning that the product itself is probably good and fine. And everything else about the company yeah, a product is, is defined by the company that's delivering it to you and I, I could easily imagine amazon taking the sleep data and be like let's just start nudging nudging some things because sleep tech and sleep you know help is a, is a big thing for a lot of people um i i don't do you use a, a an amazon assistant regularly shirlin because sometimes yes. you get those suggested well, no. purchases yeah sometimes it, it just starts talking he's like hey by the way uh, yeah. maybe you like this or maybe it's been a while since you ordered this would you like to place another order i'm like God, no shut that. up yeah. stop yeah. talking to me yeah i didn't ask for and, you yeah so yeah yeah not just i mean i disabled my echo a long time ago but my friends echoes when i'm over at their place it'll like randomly be like boom boom one notification hey what's my notification you would you like to restock this thing and like oh i'm like god you really gave them a speaker notification for that yeah like, yeah that's so, uh clearly okay. Amazon Halo it's, Rise. Yes. It's exactly so, what you think, I guess. Hardware itself, fine, but you have to be comfortable with giving Amazon your info. And that is the main takeaway. And if you have any thoughts on how Amazon is moving into the healthcare space, or if you have any questions or concerns, or you want to, again, remind, tell me how you tell us how you uh, sleep, <laughs> uh, you know, burrito or cocoon <laughs> you send your thoughts to podcast sideways fully black on your tummy there's so many yes. things yeah email us podcast at engadget.com let's move on to some other news and uh one thing that happened last week right after we recorded actually is, is some pretty major news e3 2023 is officially canceled and I feel like a lot of people have been talking about this. We we don't really talk about E3 much up until the point where we're actually going. And I really wanted to get Jess Condit, our, like, you know, and Gadget's, like, star video game reporter to talk about this with me. Unfortunately, she's out today. Um, but it's worth it's worth noting. Like, Sherlyn, when did you first hear about E3? I want to hear this when? from your perspective in Singapore. Yeah, when? Did you ever hear about oh, it? Oh, definitely never. Yeah, not when I was in Singapore. I never heard about it until I came into tech media, which okay, was in okay. 2014 or 13. Yeah, so post-college, you know, like most recently. I've been hearing about E3 since I was like five or six years old, right? Wow. E3 is a thing that has existed, um, you know, 
in gaming forever. And I would watch uh, shows. I remember growing up watching like CNET TV on on a few channels and people would be talking about, oh, what's happening at E3? I would read EGM and GamePro and everything. And they would talk about the games being announced at E3. It seemed like this this magical place that I've always wanted to go to. Even when I was working uh, in high school, I worked uh, as an electronic sales associate at Office Max. Remember Office Max? Um, retail is one of those one of those like categories that could actually go to E3. So I was like a little excited to even be eligible to attend E3 at that point. E3 is an industry event. It is the major like video game shindig. Um, and it was an important thing. And now it's just not happening this year. And honestly, the statement from uh, from you know the folks behind E3, uh, ReadPop, uh, mm-hmm. and the Entertainment Software Association, oh, the ESA, they're the Comic Con people. ReadPop right? also does. Mm, they do packs, not Comic Con. I think they do some things at Comic Con. Um, but the statement was uh, ReadPop and the ESA have announced that both the digital and physical events for E3 2023 have been canceled. And there was like no further announcement. There wasn't any like. And we hope to come back next year. Right. And we hope to like revitalize this event. There was none of that. And I think the the overall tone is like, oh, th- this thing's dead. This thing ain't coming. Yeah. E3 will not come back at all. Um, I, I don't, do you have any thoughts on that, Sherlyn, or feelings? Absolutely. This is like, wasn't, weren't we talking right before the pandemic that like the last E3 that we ever had in person was, it felt like a snooze fest anyway, right? I think everyone went to that E3 and came back saying it didn't feel like a you know, big enough show this year. And then boom. There, there were games and there and I, I right. talked to people, but it was kind of quiet and it was kind of empty. Yeah. And at that time, it felt like it was probably because all the next gen consoles were coming up after, right? Like the year after. So it felt like the hype was, you know, a little low because of that. But then the pandemic came and I think that really killed E3's momentum there. Like I think everyone was gearing up for was big whole, E3 yeah. for the next gen consoles, the PS5 and the, all that stuff. But then... The pandemic really killed it, so, no? So uh, yeah, the ESA had partnered with another company. It was uh, one, of, one of those companies that does like geeky um, geeky merchandise and stuff um, to do that in 2020. And that also fell apart. And it, it almost felt like the pandemic was like an excuse to be like, oh, uh, seems like it'd be really hard to run E3 this year. So we're just going to pass. We're going to say peace on that. Um it has been in trouble for a while. Uh, the event itself, like the, it doesn't doesn't seem like the ESA knew what it wanted to be, and also like, is it even necessary anymore? Right? The E three um, in its heyday is a was a trade show, um, but also a place for the media to get together and also learn new things about games. And so many game publishers are just straight up. They have their own streams. They have their own YouTube channel. Nintendo drops their directs, and Sony and Microsoft drop their like major video game trailer things and. That's where we we report on that, you know, and that's where we see a lot of things. Um, companies can let us demo games remotely. Uh, I've done it versus uh, over like streaming software on my PC for like, you know, so they don't have to like ship you game code or send you game code or something. There's so many other ways to test out things and do things. Um, E3 as it is just seems a little unnecessary. And there's also PAX, um, which used to be the Penny Arcade Expo. But PAX has become like the sort of like the way mainstream gamers, the actual community can get together and talk about games. And developers seem to like that more. In Germany, there's also Gamescom, which I think is still one of the biggest conventions like in the world. And that is the big place for European and Asian developers to kind of all get together too. Um, Gamescom is great. I really like going there as well and always felt a little different than E3. So it just feels like the E3 as we knew it 
is kind of dead. I don't know if it will ever come back. It's sort of like if you imagine CES just disappearing for good. Yeah. Chilling. Like, yeah. What, what would that mean for, you know, for the industry? Exactly. But like you're pointing out, right? Like all these other shows like Mobile World Congress, like IFA, they could technically all go away because people are all doing their own events now. Everyone's doing a live I mean, we've stream. lost, uh, we've lost, it used to be double Mobile World Congresses, I, I remember. Like, we, we've lost some events down the line. And I think IFA even used to be a little more common. Well, we, yeah. we fully lost CTIA. So oh, yeah, I'm that's not, dead. That's fully yeah. dead. I'm never going to be sad we lost CTIA because that, I attended one CTIA on my own before. No. And it was just like, eh, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but there's, yeah, there's other shows that still get more hype. And you know what they are? They're the things like WWDC, Google I.O. Well, it's not... Those aren't shows. Those They're are not shows. That's what I mean. Like marketing platforms. Exactly yeah. though. Exactly though. Because that's what it is now. It's it's all like individual. It's it's kind of a mirror to what's been happening in the media space as well, right? Because now, what do people go for? People instead of going for organizations that publish news, they go to individual influencers or creators on the internet. And it feels like people are more drawn to like brand things. I don't know that it's exactly the same parallel for like it's events. it's all it's all together shown like it's it's all yeah. the dance together because like the game companies rather than you know, maybe prioritizing media to kind of get the word out about exactly it's so much easier to send a thing to a yeah. YouTube influencer who is not they do a lot of work I know being a YouTuber being a video producer on your own is super tough. They're not beholden to the same editorial standards nope, like not most all. media organizations are. So like there not are things YouTubers can do and say that I can't, that I can't ethically do. Um, but a YouTuber, nothing is stopping them and nothing is stopping them from also taking payment for doing that preview. And that is happening a lot. And the whole like infer the whole like way communication has gone out has just like radically changed because the companies don't need media really they don't need um they don't even need to like talk they can talk directly to consumers but also if they need some hype they can pay an influencer or like give some free stuff to an influencer and they will they will just do it so and like i want to it's kind of crummy yeah yeah and i want to make it clear like there are some influencers that do it with like great ethical responsibility there are some that do it well but you like the fact is there are a lot of influencers that don't either it's also making me and all of us question like what is the right approach now like do you do you just say no or do you like and also the fact that inf uh, influencers can they, they they take their money from these companies directly whether That's however where it gets a ethical yeah. mm -hmm. right however ethical they can be the fact that they take this money to produce content whether it's fair or not means that they they are going to go the content is going to focus on whichever company can pay the most well, again whether or not it's good or bad content whether or not it's objective content right let's say for example i'm going to take a hypothetical company Taki. I don't know if that's a real company, but we're gonna go with it. Let's okay. say, let's say, okay, let's say Timu, for example, right? Timu out of nowhere just paid like made three Super Bowl commercials. What if suddenly they just paid seven thousand influencers to do shopping haul videos? Those videos could say that the the clothes that they got were shit, but now everybody's gonna know what Timu is. So that it, just, it doesn't even have to be seven thousand. It could just be a couple dozen, yeah. like really influential influencers. Because the thing is, there's a lot of influencers. Only a few of them actually have like demonstrable audiences and influences. Let me let me like is I, I think a lot of things when I hear pushback on this is like people also don't understand how the media side of things work. Because yeah, Engadget is sometimes sponsored by companies when we cover other things. I never touch that. Trillin never touches that. Right? There is a whole. When like, you say sponsored by a, companies, you mean like sponsored ads. 
ads, but also, hey, uh, at one time we did Mobile World Congress and it was sponsored by LG. LG. I think, yeah, okay. right? Mm-hmm. But that whole deal and that whole yeah, we didn't... thing, it doesn't touch us. That is handled by salespeople and that is like, and it does look weird. I understand. Yeah. Uh, There's a whole like, wall. The reporters, Even this podcast the when we like, had ads. Ads. Yeah. Even this podcast, yeah. when we have ads and we read the script, whatever, right? The only thing we're responsible for is reading the script. We can go back and be like, hey, this script doesn't align with what I like, like I personally think. And they're never going to give me a script that says something I don't want to say, by the way. Like I that's can say totally no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The scripts have to be vetted. And all of that is discussed by a separate team that's not any of our teammates. It's not editorial. Um, that's sales and, and marketing. And we have people who are in there defending us from having to say things ever that are not ethically. That clean. whole, like the whole structure is important, but also like it, it is weird how companies I feel like just have the power to basically directly influence consumers. And I have seen people complain that, um, a leak on a story spoils a Nintendo direct. And I have to be like, what is wrong with you? What, what were <laughs> Is the Nintendo Direct like a major event for you to check out? Like, Aww. it is. It's the news is fair game, but there are bigger things in your life than spilling a Nintendo Direct. Like sometimes news just gets out. So anyway, anyway, I think E3 was like probably was dying for a long time. Uh, they did try to open up to the public. They did try a couple different things, but at the end of the day, it's an industry trade show, and the industry itself looks fully different than it did um, five years ago, ten years ago. So. Things are going to be different. Um, we're going to be covering games in other ways and talking directly to companies. And, you know, that that coverage is not going away. And, all you know, Microsoft and other companies also have summer events coming. The Summer Games Awards is a thing that's still happening. That is a whole other thing we could talk about, like, because that's an award show that's also, like, directly benefiting certain developers and companies. Like, it's all it's all confusing. It's all kind of a mess right now. But I want you all to be aware, like, it, it is kind of new territory we're getting in, and some of the ethical considerations are kind of messy. So just keep that in mind when you're hearing about, you know, impressions from your favorite influencer or whoever, or even from us. Like, think think about how, like, how these things are all interconnected. For now, I'll just say RIP E3. Um, I'm glad I was able to go to E3 for a couple of years. I hope it comes back in some form. I hope there's a way to do it, maybe virtually, maybe satellite events, something. It'd be cool to have it back. All right, so on to some other news this week. Uh, Twitter, once again, was in the news cycle. I feel like that's every day. It's like AI and Twitter, you know? That's my life now. Um, But Twitter, over uh, the past few days, in fact, it said that on April 1st, it was going to remove all verified, all the legacy verified badges, and the blue uh, checkmark would only remain for people who pay for Twitter blue. However... It did not do that. I think that was like the big April Fool's joke. It did. It's something it's like it just kept everything. I don't think, you know, I like, don't what think was, it was actually a joke. I don't. I don't know. think it was a joke. I'm kidding. It's, it was because not a the, joke. There, there was a report because that yeah. it was apparently really hard. Like so many things Elon Musk uh, decides to do, turns out it's harder than you think, buddy. Like yeah. uh, apparently it was like a manual process to remove verification from people. Even, they don't even <laughs> have the people to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so apparently, uh, so again, they, they said early on, I think the company tweeted out that it would be, you know, legacy verified accounts would be losing their check marks on April 1st. And then on some day, I think it was like April 2nd, Elon Musk tweeted that legacy verified accounts would not lose their uh, check marks on April 1st. Uh, it won't happen for another, quote, few weeks, apparently. And yet 
However, okay, apparently if they specifically say that they won't pay for Twitter Blue, then Twitter will remove the checkmark. No, so, only because the New York Times confirmed that they will right. not be. And the, uh, Elon Musk was saying like there, it's a high fee for a major account, like for major, huge, huge accounts. They would be charging them like, I think over a thousand dollars a month, like some some ridiculously high fee. And these companies in New York Times is like, we are not doing that. And out of retaliation, that checkmark was removed. So that is that is where it's at. Not everybody who complains gets it removed. I like that yeah. we're being so petty now. We're fighting over an actual symbol, like a little icon, like a fave icon. Like I, I could like a fave icon. Oh, I mean, we're not we're not fighting. It's, it's Elon Musk uh, kind of a, we, I mean. adding too much value to it, you know, and. That, that's he bought Twitter to basically wage war on the blue checks. Like, that's what it is. Pretty much, even though he had one himself. Um, I mean, speaking of the New York Times' reaction to uh, all of this, uh, apparently, what was it, yesterday or the day before, uh, NPR also had a little bit of a Twitter moment when it was labeled as state-affiliated media. Uh, its account was labeled as state-affiliated media, which like is kind of confusing i saw on reddit there was a thread about how like that's could be accurate and could be not like what do you what's your take here Devendra? no it's it's absolutely like npr gets a fraction mm -hmm. of a percent it gets very little money from the government because um a lot of people have done a great job of stripping money away from public media that state affiliated media label is meant for things like rt from russia or xinhua from china like things the actual voices of the yeah. government being used in media NPR is definitely not the voice of the American government. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I am, like, as we speak, looking up, like, the, the Twitter accounts of, like, Singapore's uh, state-run media. I'm just like, okay, let's see if those um, have the, the same badge. But, yeah, I mean, the NPR is a public-funded, you know, media organization. It's Barely publicly be... funded. It's more, like, listener-funded and more donated. That's what I meant. Oh, sorry. Else. Yeah. What mm -hmm. do you mean by public-funded if I said that? What did public funding means public money means money from the taxes state gotcha. taxes okay. yeah that's what that means i am currently on the straits times which is singapore's like national newspaper and it is not labeled as state affiliated or <laughs> they, they got away with it the main thing is npr has editorial independence right like they don't yes. they're not beholden to what the government says um uh yeah that's that the main the, thing so i feel like this all ties together because this is it's Twitter being petty. It's Elon being petty. The New York Times losing the check mark. This thing around NPR because they're saying things he doesn't like, and it's so sad. And how how else was it petty, Sherlyn? There was something else that happened. I thought this was so funny. I don't think it was petty. I thought it was funny, but I might not know the full story. It's uh, definitely petty too. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was covered in Doge. You may have noticed that your Twitter, if you're if you still have your Twitter account, um, has Doge dog icons or whatever all over the place uh and cool i i only noticed i was like what is this gold colored thing at the top left i was like did i get my gold check mark for no reason <laughs> and then it was like no it's a doge <laughs> and uh yeah it was all over the place i think elon musk himself was tweeting uh, as of Monday afternoon this week, uh, the Twitter web client on its loading screen and its main interface had the Shiba Inu, uh, the face the of the Doge, Doge meme. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ruining Shiba Inus forever, among yeah. other things, crypto. Game. Well, yeah. showing up everywhere where you would normally see the bluebird. So, you know, uh, Musk himself also tweeted a picture uh, of a Shiba Inu 
talking to a police officer in a car, you know, pulled over for a, like a driver's license identification. And the Shiba Inu is in the driver's seat. The Twitter icon is on his driver's license picture it's going. A, but but why, Sherlyn? Why could this be happening? You think he's just making know. a joke? Or could you it be like really last true. week, Elon Musk asked the U.S. judge to throw out a $258 billion racketeering lawsuit against him because people were accusing him of running a pyramid scheme to support Dogecoin. Uh, That's, it's always a grift. It's it all Dogecoin. So he is trolling us on Twitter because of this whole Dogecoin thing, most likely. Like that's not oh. fully confirmed, but it's also like this is his sense of humor. It's so dumb. We are so I know. we are living in the dumbest timeline. Oh my god! It is. It is. It, it, to be clear, this didn't happen like on April Fool's Day, but it felt like a it's joke. Like April third. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's a joke on us. It's a joke. Uh, but something else that happened on or around April Fool's Day, uh, Davindra. <laughs> Asus <laughs> launched a device. Asus being a Taiwanese company, not knowing how big April 1st is. Asus does is not know big... what April 1st No, yeah. I think Asus probably thought, hey, it would be funny to announce this real product that people would be really excited about on April 1st. To which we're like, what are you doing, buddy? So on April 1st, Asus like did tease this thing, the, R the ROG ally, the Republic of Gamers ally. It's like a Steam Deck portable, you know, competitor. Mm. A handheld um, And everyone's gaming, like, oh, that's yeah. cool. But it was April 1st, and we we're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're kidding. They, they're they not doing that. And then a couple days later, Dave2D on YouTube, a good influencer, by the way, um, they just sent it to him. They sent it to him uh, without fully confirming it with media. And then he put up a video uh, set, you know, displaying it. Um, it's cool. It seems cool. It has a 7-inch touchscreen. It has a, a 1080p display with a 120 hertz refresh rate that's twice as fast as a steam deck um it doesn't have the touchpads that steam deck does but it looks a little sleeker um this looks like a really cool device it just seems very dumb how asus did this like i don't stop shooting yourselves in the foot guys i don't i don't know what's gonna happen here i i would love for us is it, do, you, do you think this will come to the u.s like be sold in the u.s yeah probably okay. probably like these things we are seeing these uh these things being sold in the u.s from like no name chinese companies um you know sam covered the ioneo which is yeah. a slightly more known brand um and ioneo is making like really expensive versions of ones um, that are more powerful we don't have a price on this um, yeah. but i would imagine it would be like Looking at the specs, um, five to eight hundred bucks, depending wow. on like, you know, okay. what, what okay. it actually is. These these are not going to be cheap devices, but you know what? This is a really interesting category. Sam has been doing a lot of good reporting on this stuff because I think for a lot of people, would you I spend one thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars on a gaming laptop that you can only bring some places and you can only play some types of games, or would you? get this thing that fits exactly. in your book bag or your and it's got the controls that I prefer. Yeah, it's got the controls. Um. I think these things are like getting more and more compelling. So I'm I'm intrigued by it. Um, let me kind of let me in, put this out yeah. there. I'm mm -hmm. in the market for one. I'm in the market, in the market for one. I'm going to buy one because my Switch is great, but like it doesn't uh -huh. feel like powerful enough. Well, it, it depends on what you mean by power, but yeah, for you, oh, it, also, like, just just, wait just a want bit. to play. You know? I just don't want to play only Nintendo games too, right? I want to play sure. some PC games. There's a lot of great indie games, but anyway, your the market for you, Sherlyn, um, the Steam Deck, um, and all these other things. I and Nao's stuff is a little sleeker, so maybe yeah, you want to pay more that. for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a great, really interesting market because this is something we've talked about for a while, right? Like PC hardware can only get so fast. Like I don't, 
you don't need to always upgrade your GPU. Not everybody needs a 300 hertz refresh rate or something yeah, like exactly. You just want to play some games. These portable systems are powerful enough and cheap enough to do it. And uh, after all that, uh, guess what Sony did, Trillin? No, I had no idea, but go on. It, it learned apparently no lessons from this. It apparently, like, all this is happening. And according to a report, Sony is working on a PlayStation handheld that is just going to focus on remote streaming play from your... Or you have to own a PlayStation 5 to use oh, this no! handheld. Reportedly. Um, we don't know if this one is true. But... Uh, there's a report from Insider Gaming, uh, codenamed the Q Lite. This seems to be a foc- mainly streaming focused device, but not a cloud streaming device. Not it doesn't it seems like it won't tap into <laughs> a local Sony's streaming actual cloud gaming, just local streaming, yeah. which is something you can do by the way on your phone. You can yeah. do it on your computer. You can <laughs> yeah. do it on so many other things. You could stream your PlayStation Five gaming to so many different systems. So we don't know much about this, but. I d- I it, I think my brain is very exploding. Confusing. Very yeah, yeah, it's very it's like why This seems like a very Sony thing to do of like look at a market and go completely the other direction and everyone's like what are you doing you idiots? Like uh, I, <laughs> I'm not going to get too angry. I'm not going to get too angry until not, they fully announce this thing. I even but, I, I'm in between confusion and amusement. I'm just like This is how ooh. I feel about a lot of Sony products. Like I I reviewed Here, Sony's neck speakers, Sherlin. They're I little remember speakers those, that sit on your neck. <laughs> And I'm like, who the hell is this thing for? It's expensive. It sounds bad. And it doesn't connect anything. Thanks, Sony. So to be clear, this is a single purpose, non-cloud streaming gaming. Local streaming. Yeah. Device. It's a rumor, whatever. It's not official yet. But God, Sony, at least throwing cloud gaming, you know, at least. I'm not going to I'm not going to get too angry. But I I will also say this report, uh, Insider Gaming, has had some good tips and some good reports. Sounds legit to Uh, me. (laughs) The picture looks good. The sort of dumb thing Sony would do. So let me just put that out there. I hope it's not fully real. I hope like there is some sort of thing. I like Sony's hardware design. I like the PlayStation Vita. The play, this is not, I mean, that picture is the PlayStation Vita. Um, but the PlayStation Vita was a beautiful piece of hardware that was way ahead of its time. And now we're all finally like really into high powered gaming handhelds. And it feels really weird that Sony's like out of the loop, even though everybody loved the Vita and they just kind of gave up on it. So we are going to keep an eye on this story. But sometimes I just wonder, you know, I wrote a story last year or a couple of years ago about like, will Sony ever become like the the sort of like consumer electronics king? It wouldn't. It used to be. And then the next day, Sony's PR called me and said, what's up, dude? What's up with this report? Oh. I'm like, oh, did I stutter? Did I lie? No. Because <laughs> wow. everything I pointed out is no, no. Like Apple ate your lunch. Like you guys are not where you were. And the whole report was about like all the mistakes Sony keeps making. Sony right now as a company is being held alive by the PlayStation and by Spider-Man. So I, d- I don't know where they're going to be going after this. We're going to keep an eye on whatever this thing is. And I hope it's not as dumb as this report makes it seem. But, you know, let us know your thoughts. Podcast and gadget.com. This week, there were also a few other products launched, and we'll blast right through some of them. OnePlus, for example, launched NordBuds 2. These are its sort of budget-friendly uh, ear uh, wireless earphones. These will cost $60, and they actually offer active noise canceling. Really nice for the price. Uh, OnePlus's previous NordBuds, I don't know, I didn't feel very impressed by them. I didn't 
really spend a lot of time with them. They kind of look like AirPods with the like sticky bits sticking out of your ear thing. Um, you know, I don't know that we're going to review $60 these. is good. Yeah. It looks it's a good it's price. For it's a good canceling. price. Yeah. It's a very good price. The company also said that this will offer better base uh, and call quality. It does cost 50% more than the original Nord Buds, but $60 still isn't bad. It's like... It's, it's still less than normal AirPods, like more than half less than a normal pair of AirPods without the AirPods Pro noise canceling. So it's you know pretty what? good. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, I feel like there is more of a more market for these cheaper things. I lost my AirPods Pro when I went to go see John Wick 4. And oh no. I'm mad about it. My little like find my app is still pinging me from the theater ah! and nobody knows where it is. So I'm I just so ordered another pair of those things because I use them so much. They're yeah. always attached to my ears. So that yeah. is a sign of a good gadget when, when you use it all the I, time. I can't yeah. stop. I'm addicted to yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of things you can't stop using, do you like e-readers stuff? I feel like you love them. I love e-readers. I love e-readers. I love. I used to like Kindles, but I recently yes. got a Kobo, and I'm really happy with the Kobo. Okay. And uh, speaking of Kobo, they launched a new tablet today, an e-ink, I think a writable, like an e-ink tablet that you can write on, right? This week, it's the Ellipsa 2E. Are you excited for this? Is this, this is not the one you got, Dev. It's not the one I got. Uh, the Ellipsa 2 um came out two years ago i think yeah um so i looked at it it is that thing was 400 bucks this one's 400 dollars, and it just didn't seem like i don't i don't love e-ink writing that much i just want to read some books so don't you know don't mess up my life with productivity this seems cool this new mm -hmm. one i might call this into review actually although you i should, need to like you should because it has adjustable lighting has a better Ooh. stylus um Ooh. It's a, Does it have good note-taking note software? That's really my big... That's the yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, that was my big issue with the Amazon Kindle Scribe. So maybe maybe we'll do it. But hey, speaking mm -hmm. of e-ink tablets too, we just had an e-reader guide that went up by our... Uh, yeah sort of new to our team uh commerce writer amy scoreheim she put together a nice little guide on if you want an e-reader this is where you this is this is where the best ones that's, that's are cool. or your budget friendly picks are. yeah and also think about if you kindles are cheap here's the thing kindles are super <laughs> cheap but kobos aren't touched by amazon so that's kind of nice yeah, although true. they are owned by rakuten so rakuten it's like another corporate yeah. giant uh yeah. rakuten is they huge but at least they're not as not as evil. Uh, we did cover the news. Best Buy announced a new recycling program that'll let you mail in your old electronics. Um, you just pay like 23 bucks or $30 for a box. Just have to say, this is a really good thing. Yes. And I hope people take advantage of this. When I was working in IT, I used to like every month, I would like have this giant, like almost car size box, cardboard box that we would fill up with old hardware and people from around the college would just come dump their old computers. It was the only way to get rid of your stuff. And it cost a ton to like deal with that. Most people don't have easy access to electronics recycling. So you just keep old hardware around. That's not always safe. Old batteries can be dangerous. Old batteries can expand and even leak and explode. So it is worth spending a little money to get rid of your old gear. And uh, this seems like a good program to do it uh, if you don't have local electronics recycling. Exactly. And if you don't want to mail it in and you live near enough to a Best Buy, you can always walk in and drop one off. So like there are I think you can do it. I don't, I don't know what their whole thing is, but yeah, yeah, that, that is From what thing. I know, at least Brooklyn, according to Sam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. that's cool. Brooklyn used to have like an electronics recycling like center near Gowanus. And I have multiple times uh, just sent a task rabbit with a box i was like mm. buddy just just bring this over there because i'm not going to rent a car and do the whole thing and send me the, the receipt and that worked out pretty well it costs money 
but you, you got to clean up this stuff because it's not good around your house and it's potentially dangerous for pets and kids and stuff too. So anyway, cleaning up is good. Uh, we also covered Microsoft uh, made a new remix special edition of the Xbox controller based on ground up old CDs. It's kind of like green and lime green and avocado green. It's very cute. Yeah, it's an earthy green on the front and like mm -hmm. the lime green button on the uh, lime green on the, not the D-pad. Is that yeah. the D-pad? That's the D-pad, yeah. That is the D-pad, yeah. It's an Earth Day promotion. Um, it seems really cute. It seems really cute. I don't I don't need extra Microsoft controllers. I have way too many. Um, but I think for a lot of people, this one costs $85 too. I do like seeing like these different types of devices out there. You know, it's cool. Let's move on to things around the site. And I just want to shout out James True's um, review hands-on of Adobe's podcast tool. It's a text-based audio editing tool. So okay. it lets you edit podcasts without actually dealing with waveforms or anything. There is a tool that does this already called Descript that I know a lot of like um, actual like radio programs and podcast studios actually use. But this is Adobe's version. And it also ties into Adobe's like AI cleanup, like AI um, tool to just make your sound better. Uh, James put up some conversations between him and Matt Smith, and he has the untreated sound and he has the Adobe enhanced sound. And my God, it is like, it is like a night and day difference because Matt was speaking in from his laptop speakers and it just kind of leveled it out and made him sound better, even though James was also was speaking from a good proper mic. Um, check out this report. I think this tool is really useful. Um, personally, like when I'm working on podcasts, I still want to I want to be in there. I want to see my waves. I want to see all the, the pops and clicks and all the things I need to fix. But eventually we won't need to do that at all. It seems like the AI tool also removes the ahs and ums and, you know, weird silences. And I like the ahs and the ums. Issues. I don't know. I like that too. That's the other thing. Like I like humanizing our stuff. So anyway, I think this thing is cool. Um, yeah, that's check pretty much article. it. Is there, yeah. check it out. Uh, do you want to talk about Andy's thing, Sholin? Did you read yeah, this? Yeah, we, we, uh, have, this is a big week for AI coverage again. Uh, our senior reporter, uh, Andy, Tar Andrew Tarantola, we call him Andy, uh, wrote about how we can actually build immortal celebrities from ChatGPT and their existing back catalogs. For example, AI Matt Damon, you know, my, you know, Bring back the crypto mm -hmm. rants. Uh, I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, talk around using AI to generate, you know, in the past we talked about holograms and like resurrecting your dead lovers or even in Hollywood we've seen, right? People use uh, sort of generated, I don't know, CGI or stuff, stuff like that to bring back deceased uh, celebrities to bring back or actors. actors yeah Except yeah now it's like okay we've seen like just those were basically puppets right those were just recreating people digitally now it's like well you can basically capture the like soul of an artist using chat gpt based on their existing work and just like have that person pop up in things in the future it's it's potentially possible now it'll become more and more possible down the line uh, I've talked about this movie before, but I do want to shout out um, Ari Folman's movie, The Congress. It's a 2013 movie that is all about a world where actors can do this, can just like have their essence, their like performances captured. And in that world, they are basically they can never act again because only their digital version is right. the version of them that can be in movies. It's a really cool sci-fi concept. It's a great movie starring Robin Wright. Um, and it's based on a Stanislaw Lem story. So it's like very, very much like old school sci-fi. But that 
that is kind of where we're going. Like we talked about James Earl Jones selling the rights to his voice for to be Darth Vader, you know, for the future. So, yeah. I just want to say that I have seen this Black Mirror episode. So let's move on. There is that too. too. And we're going right into it. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of celebrities, you spoke to one recently, Devendra. I spoke to one, yeah, uh, last week I talked with Drew Carey, the comedian and Price is Right host. Uh, he used AI on a radio show episode. Yeah, every Friday, he he runs like a three-hour radio program where he just like, um, he compiles classic rock and talks to people on the Sirius XM channel. And he used ChatGPT and like one of the, I think it's Eleven Labs, like voice uh, recreation software, their AI voice stuff to have an AI voice introduce the show, talk about the songs. Um, I put up a demo of it on the on the article too. It's called uh, the article is called Drew Carey made a radio show with AI. Fans weren't pleased because his fans were not happy with it. And I do feel like we're going to see a lot of that sort of reaction. But we had a good chat about like why he is not really afraid of AI and why he likes to you know mess around with these things. He's a geeky dude, so he is not afraid to like try out new tech. Anyway, it's a great chat, and uh, yeah, check out that interview over during Gadget. And if you want more AI content from us this week uh, or last week, our video on Watch Us Try to Break Google Bard and Bing AI uh, went up on the Engadget YouTube channel. If you haven't watched it already, it's 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 fun to watch me get uh, friend zoned by Google Bard, isn't it? So so if you're ready to watch that, go check it out. <laughs> uh, Google Bard is not, not as friendly channel. as Bing AI was, I guess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I got friend zoned. I got no. You got the whole like record. This took us like two and a half hours to record. Actually, it's not me. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. It's straight up. Uh, we asked it the meaning of love. We asked it to go on a date with me, and it just was like mm, <laughs> not interested. And I was like, no. that's harsh. So there you go. Um, but yeah, that's around in Gadget this week. Uh, Dev, are you working on what are you working on this week? <laughs> what am I working on? Yeah, I'm always working. Usually, always, all of us I'm always you? working. Oh my god, okay. it never ends. But I, I am working on a piece about um, large EVs um, because I did test Rivian's R1S SUV recently, and um, I kind of love it. But I also have maybe learned to hate very big EVs and very oh, big okay. cars in general too. And there's a good conversation to have around like maybe maybe we are getting the whole electric car thing all wrong by trying to redo big pickup trucks and you know big giant the Hummer with e- as an EV. I don't does that actually solve anything? Does that actually help anybody? Because these things also require a lot of materials and they're big and heavy and more dangerous and what happens when a 7,000, you know, 8,000 pound car like the Rivian R1S is crazy fast. That thing can hit zero to 60 in like three to four seconds. That amount of torque, that amount of power in a consumer car that's huge, that can't see kids right in front of it. These are all questions we need to be asking. Um, So yeah, I'm working on a piece around that. Hope to talk to some people about that. I think EVs need to be weird. Need to they they shouldn't look like cars. They shouldn't look like the things we're used to because they don't need engines. We don't need that whole space in the front. Um, look at a company like Canoe, K-C-A-N-O-O, which is making these like cute pod-like EVs. Um, actually, probably great for families, probably great for city driving. So anyway, I'm going to be working on something around that. I'm also reviewing the Razor Blade 16. I know Sam has the, the bigger Razor Blade 18. Um, yeah, those have the new NVIDIA 40 series GPUs. So I'm excited to spend some time with this. But yeah, first I got to talk about EVs. And um, oh, I'm also reviewing the Mario movie. And we'll talk more about oh, yeah. that soon. Yeah, uh, not much coming from me for a bit. I'm like in edits and background behind the scenes things and, you know, some not much secrets, but like more like long term reporting stuff. So you'll see stuff come out of me later on. Uh, but Yeah. 
Let's move on to Engadget's picks this week. Devendra, what you got for me? I got a bunch of stuff this week. Um, the Super Mario Brothers movie is out, and I saw it um, just yesterday, actually. And it's very cute. I think okay. it's it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a perfect kids movie. Um, and reviews are all over the place. And I have to say, I've read a lot of the negative reviews, and I'm like, guys, what? I don't I don't know what sort of like narrative um, majesty you're expecting from a Mario Brothers movie, but <laughs> it totally fits into the sort of like, it's a little incoherent. Like it doesn't make sense why a promer from Brooklyn will end up in this magical mushroom kingdom, but the movie is fun. I think overall, like it looks really good. The animation's really lush. The voice acting by Jack Black and a bunch of other folks, I think is really good. Unfortunately, Chris Pratt as Mario, not so good, kind of boring, honestly. Um, but I think it's really fun and I'm looking forward to taking my daughter to see it in theaters. So you know, check that out. Just want to briefly shout out uh, another show that's also on Netflix. It's called Beef. It stars Steven Yoon and Ali Wong. And um, have you ever beefed with somebody, Sherlyn? Like uh, every day beef, like, of my every day, live Devendra. <laughs> this show starts with a road rage incident between uh, Steven Yoon and Ali Wong and kind of like escalates like between them because they're both from different sides of the of, of life. Like Stephen Yoon's character is working class, um, always struggling to get by. Ali Wong's character plays a very, very, very wealthy. She's very rich. Um, she works in design, I believe, um, or like, it's like a type of design thing, but very different sides of life. And I think it's a really interesting exploration of, you know, life as Asian Americans and how different it could be also for immigrant communities, but also... When you've got epic beef with somebody, how far will you take it? Um, it is a wild, wild ride. I think it's worth checking out. It's on Netflix right now. It's called Beef. Very cool. I will get some ideas from this. I will see how far I can take my beef. I think you will. You will beef. certainly. I, I do wonder if it's a little <laughs> I will get some ideas. Yeah. I love. On my end, I am continuing the trash, messy reality TV drama uh, list of recommendations with Perfect Match on Netflix. It's just, it's your typical trashy singletons on a beach or something they're in panama they're trying to find love because they you know that's how you find love you go on reality tv uh and then they become you know there's some people who are absolute trash holes and there's some that are actually trying to be good this one was not as good as married at first sight so you know and you know, whatever because there's no like real therapy like married at first sight has a like, therapist who like tell you you're doing wrong you got to do better you got to communicate this one's just like i don't they're like, they go around, they're like, I'm looking for my perfect match. I think it's you. And then the next week, they're like, no, I think it's this person that just came in. They're my perfect match. And it's just so bad, but it makes me feel so good about myself. So there we go. Um, and then my other pick, it's not pop culture, but it is pretty relevant to the conversation we're having, which is $8. This is something that our, uh, again, scenery reporter, uh, Andrew Tarantola brought up to our, brought to my attention really. Um, it is a Chrome extension that helps you figure out if the blue check mark that you're seeing on Twitter, it's a legacy one or a Twitter blue paid one. So if you spend that much time on Twitter and you want to know if the blue check mark is legit or paid, uh, this Chrome extension can help you figure it out. And it's free. Uh, and if you don't use Chrome, then I'm sure there are other alternatives on the way. There we go. We we didn't fully talk about this in the Twitter conversation, but the reason this is necessary is because the language between verified 
blue, blue check users and the Twitter blue people has been kind of equalized in ways because I think Elon realized we were dunking on everybody who paid yes. for Twitter blue. So they sort of like instead of removing the check marks, they just like equalize the language between yep. the two. So you you have no clue. So yeah, and They're so to very spell silly, it out. Very dumb. Exactly. Yeah. To spell it out, it used to be uh, legacy verified, which is pe you know people who didn't pay for Twitter Blue would have the explanation be this is a legacy account. It may or may not be mm -hmm. noteworthy or something. He was like, trolling. If, he trolled yeah, us. He was trying label. to troll yeah. us. And I was like, no, I like legacy verified. Thank you. Yes, yeah, I'll I hold like on to my yeah. <laughs> yeah. I may or may not be notable. Yeah. yeah, I may or may not. I might. I I think I'm not. But uh, you know, thank you. And then Twitter Blue was Twitter Blue. This person pays for Twitter. This person has a blue check mark because they pay for Twitter Blue. Now the wording is just this person has a blue check mark because they either paid for Twitter Blue or they're uh, legacy verified. Uh, they don't no longer say the may or may not be. <laughs> notable it's it it's cool. just funny like how many times his dunks backfire on him and are used <laughs> against him so if people ask me like why i'm still like spending time on twitter it's because it is it's it is fun very weird it's kind of fun it's kind of sad but i'm just intrigued by like the drama here like why do we watch reality show like we are intrigued by this human mess yes you know, exactly. that we're watching in front of us and that this is, is the exactly real reality tv twitter. yes yeah. Twitter is the reality TV show I am watching in real life right now, and I hope you enjoy <laughs> And participating show. in, yeah. Exactly. That's it for our show this week, folks. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sherlyn at... I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter if you want to tweet me your favorite uh, sleeping technique. I mean, you're on Instagram. You're, I, or you're on Mastodon, too. I, I am on also on Mastodon. I am at Sherlyn at kopit.am, which is hard to say and hard to... It's K-O-P-I-T-I dot A-M. Uh, and Sherlyn Instagram. There you go. That's always fun. I, I, you can find me on Twitter at, at Davindra. I am at Davindra at Mastodon.social on the Elephant site. I also podcast about movies and TVs at the Filmcast, thefilmcast.com. Email us at podcastandgadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Thanks, folks. We're out. Have you ever beefed with somebody, Sherlyn? Like, uh, just... Every day of my effing life, Devendra. <laughs>